we've been blessed that over nearly eight months now, amen, when drive-in services, that we've just had a very limited number of services where we've not been able to assemble under great weather conditions and worship God. Now, this morning was one of those threatening mornings. We understood that quite possibly we would not be able to have drive-in church. But we thank God for all of you who were on standby, who were giving attention, and those of you who had a desire to know what was happening here at Harvest Church. And thank you today for your presence. Amen. Thank you for your loving support, your faithful giving to this church. Amen. This is a place where God is doing great things and continues to do great things. I witnessed on last Sunday one of my younger brothers give his initial sermon told me for over about three years now the call of God was weighing very heavily upon his heart so quite naturally he leaned on me just a touch to say you know what 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 direction should I go and how should I present I said well to me there's only two ways to preach and that is amen I take a particular passage of scripture and expound upon it or a thought and support it with scripture so John as we uh begin to make our appeal to the Lord this week the Lord impressed a, a two verses of scripture on our hearts and those scriptures are found in the book of Joel chapter number 2 and verse number 1 and also in the book of Isaiah chapter 33 and verse number 14 and we by the help of his Holy Spirit's presence want to expound upon those two verses of scripture today in your hearing I want to say to all those who are viewing uh, via Facebook Live, all those listening today, amen, we love you, miss you, in the love of the Lord. We long for that great day when we'll be able to embrace each other again as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you guys for adhering to the local guidelines that have been given by the elected officials of this state. Again, we have uh, made it a purpose in our heart uh, to follow those, and I believe that as a direct result of that, the hand of God has spared us and watched over us. But I want to read those two verses of Scripture in your presence today, and with the help of the Lord, minister upon them. The book of Joel, chapter number 2 and verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. For it is at hand. The prophet Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearlessness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The American Red Cross today, it helps reduce the number of home fires and deaths and injuries through a program that is called Sound the alarm, save a life. Sound the alarm, save a life. Brother Ted, I, I knew this might be a blessing to you as this is your profession. 
So we want to title this message today, Sound the Alarm. Sound the Alarm. Do you know that on the average, seven lives die daily as a result of house fires here in America? And the program that is implemented by the American Red Cross greatly reduces the risk of death. Matter of fact, statistics show that it reduces the risk of death in half. What does that program involve? That program involves the installing of smoke detectors. It shares safety information and even promotes fundraisers to help families prepare respond, and recover from house fires. Do you believe today that in the Christian realm of faith that the alarm is being sounded daily? Do you believe that anointed men and women of God stand behind sacred desks and various platforms around the world and promote the day of the Lord is at hand? Can you hear the alarm that is being sounded in our world today? Just look at the vast indifferences that are shaping our world. Just look at the lofty opinion of man who has exalted himself above God. And we will clearly see and hear that the alarm is being sounded in our very presence. Brother Anthony, I started to bring my shofar out this morning and and put it on display. A shofar is a ram's horn. And the people of God were very familiar with with the ram's horn. Many writers referred to it as the trumpet, not to mention those instruments of, of brass uh, that the priests would blow, but the children of Israel understood the sound of a trumpet blast. There were seven specific dates that God wanted the children of Israel to remember on a yearly basis. Is everybody with me? One of those dates, Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Day of Trumpets. It acknowledges the beginning of the Jewish New Year. Often between September or October, it falls on the seventh new moon of the Jewish calendar. The Jewish month known as Tishri. And they blow a shofar or a ram's horn in Jewish synagogues around the world. For Rosh Hashanah begins a 10-day period that leads up to the holiest of all Jewish holidays. And that is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And the sounding of a shofar in Rosh Hashanah served as a a wake-up call. It served as a sobering reminder that the time, amen, is near for the day of atonement. There is a phrase in, in, in the language called teshuvah. It, it symbolizes repentance and a turning back to the Lord. And this 10 days that leads up to the holiest of all Jewish holidays is a time of self-examination. It's a time of heart searching. It's a 10-day period of introspection. What does that mean? Examining of oneself from the inside out. And according to Jewish and rabbinic tradition on Rosh Hashanah, the destiny of the righteous and the destiny of the wicked are sealed. 
because they believe in a book of life and a book of death. Have I any witnesses? Do we understand that reality in the realms of the Christian faith today? Because we know that there is a book of life. Do we not, saints of God? We understand that the Bible makes it very clear that, amen, when we, when we accept the wonderful gift of salvation, Brother Eric, our names are pinned into the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. This is scripturally supported in the book of Revelation, chapter 20 and verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But those of us who have placed their trust in the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, does anybody hear what I'm saying today? Those of us who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for the wonderful gift of salvation through his life, through his death, through his death, his burial, resurrection, and ascension, those of us who have trusted him, we understand of this reality. But we need to be listening for the trumpet. Are we listening today for the sound of the trumpet? For Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Won't it bless you to know that Paul goes on, Sister Murtis, to say the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And here's the comforting piece. And thus we shall always uh, be with the Lord. In verse 18 the writer says, Wherefore comfort ye one another with these words. I want to declare to you today we're going somewhere. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Whether we've made preparations or not depends on us as individuals. But there was an old a trillium that said uh, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go uh, to the lake of fire. You don't have to endure the everlasting uh, torment of the lake of fire, a uh, hell and brimstone if you've made preparations to meet Jesus. Oh, bless the Lord, somebody. You say, preacher, we want to talk about the end times. You know something, friend? Ever since we've been born, we've been living in the end time. You say, how can you say that? Because when Jesus ascended through the clouds into heaven, oh, glory to God, we've been living. The world has been experiencing the end times. People say, I want to know. I want to know uh, in a time window of opportunity when I can come to the Lord. The Bible said today is the day of salvation for tomorrow is not promised. That's our window of opportunity. But people say, oh, I, I, I've got a few more things in life that I want to accomplish. I'll get saved when I'm ready. You'll never be ready because you don't get saved when you're ready. You get saved when the Spirit of God draws you, amen, into the presence of the Father. And then salvation is available. My Lord, this might contradict somebody's teaching, but this is Bible, friend. Oh, glory to God, the end time. What does Merriam-Webster say about the end time? Merriam-Webster says the end time is the period leading up to judgment day. Judgment day. The New Testament contains numerous warning passages in the Bible concerning the end time. 
Amen. Even the prophets of the days of old prophesied about the day of the Lord. And we don't have time today to go through and rehash every prophecy that has been uttered from the prophets of old in regard with the end time. But friend, we will stand before God with no excuse having said that we never heard about the end time. Because I want to make it perfectly clear today. Oh glory to God. The day of the Lord he is coming and oftentimes I startle individuals on my job. They are not looking for me and out of nowhere I might appear and the next words out of my mouth are that's the way the Lord's coming. Amen. The Bible said he's coming as a thief in the night. They say, Pastor, I wasn't expecting that. I say, well, I want to make sure that you're expecting the coming of the Lord. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that as God, hallelujah, has prophesied in his word, the day of the Lord is nigh even at hand. You can rest assured that it's not on our time X. It's not on our timetable. Oh, but Jesus is sitting on standby. Right now, he's just waiting for God to release him. Oh, glory to God, to receive his bride. The day of the Lord is at hand. Some of those passages that warn us in the Bible, in the New Testament, they also warn us of false teachers and of false teaching. They alert believers to the reality of trials and they alert us to the reality of end time events. But how many of us know that they also warn us about our behavior? And that they even imply a loss of salvation for the disobedient. What does that mean? It means that if we reject Christ, we will be lost throughout eternity. Throughout eternity. We have no idea how to process eternity. For time can only be measured in an arena where change takes place. How many know that in eternity, nothing will ever change? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't that make you want to shout today to know that our provision, hallelujah, is going to be always abundantly supplied. To know that our protector will always be by our side. Isn't that a blessing today? To know that when we're called out of here, when the church is raptured away to be with the Lord, Jerry, we will never, Brother Jerry, leave the presence of God again from that moment. Won't that bless you? Won't that bless your heart today to know that when the church is called out of here, we will never be separated again from the presence of God. Some people say, Pastor, I think you're mis misunderstanding Paul's writing to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6, 4 and 6. But the Bible makes it clear it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. People say, Pastor, that contradicts eternal security. 
And I believe if I'm ever saved, I can never be lost. But my friend, this is the word of God. And what Paul is saying to the Hebrews is there is no hope of restoration for those who have completely, consciously, and willfully rejected Jesus Christ. What am I implying to you today? I'm emphasizing that he died one time and he'll never have to die again. Somebody missed a good place to shout glory to God. Hallelujah, they'll never crucify him again. He died once and for all. Amen. No longer will the blood of bulls and goats and countless sacrifices oh, be, be able to, to cover our sins, but only by the blood of Jesus. And he died already one time. Amen. Brother Arbus, hallelujah, it's comforting to me as a child of God today to know that they'll never crucify him again. Paul was declaring to the church at Thessalonica of a time when the Lord would call his chosen children away from here. Now the word rapture is never mentioned in the Bible. But in the original context it is referenced as a calling away or being caught up. And that's where we get the word rapture from. Look what he says in Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Brother Timmy, what the Bible is telling us is that intentional sin leads to open rebellion. And one who practices such things is in no relationship with God. No relationship whatsoever with God. Nearly every book of the Bible, dear hearts, contains prophecy regarding the end times. But I want to briefly summarize how the events of the end time will unfold. For Brother Anthony, many, many, many times people approach me and say, Pastor, what other prophecy needs to take place before we could see Jesus coming in the car? Not one. Not one prophecy has to take place before we could see Jesus Coming in the clouds of heaven. Now the Bible didn't say he was coming back to earth in the rapture. It said he was coming in the clouds. Isn't that what the Bible says? Hallelujah. Then the Bible say that we who are alive and remain are going to be called up to meet them in the air. Is that what the Bible said? The Bible didn't say Jesus was coming to earth. It said he was coming in the clouds. Hallelujah. And I need for us to understand something today. The rapture will not be for those who died without God. The rapture will only be for the saints of God. It will be for those who died before Jesus returned and for those of us who remain. And I don't know about you. They can teach pre and mid and post. They can teach all they want to. But I believe when the trumpet of God sounds in Thessalonians, glory to God, he's calling my name. I believe, amen, that I'm getting out of here in that moment. And I believe that from that moment I will not be subjected, amen, to the wiles of the enemy anymore. But I'm going to forever be in the very presence of God. 
Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let me give us a brief summary today of what's going to happen. We as believers are going to be removed from the earth in an event that is called the rapture. And after the rapture takes place, the Bible says that we are going to gather the believers at the judgment seat of Christ. Does anybody know what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ? At the judgment seat of Christ, all believers are going to be rewarded for their good works and their faithful service to the Lord while here upon the earth. The sinners can't go to the judgment seat of Christ. The ungodly will not take part in the judgment seat of Christ. Are you listening to me, saints of God? Oh, hallelujah, don't that make you want to shout today. Then the Bible tells us that the Antichrist is going to rise in power and he is going to convince Israel to sign a covenant. And the Bible tells me that from that time it will be the beginning of tribulation. Are you with me? The Bible said uh, this man would be of great power and of great influence even so as to call fire uh, down from heaven. But I want to tell you uh, he's not the only, amen, He's a phony. Can I tell you today that if you don't know Jesus, glory to God, you're going to be deceived. Going to be deceived. The Bible says that at the end of a three and a half year period, then the world will embrace what is known as the great tribulation. Things will intensify to a level like the world has never, ever seen before. I wish I had one witness in this house today that would understand the word of the Lord that is being preached in your very presence. After the end of that three and a half year period, the Bible says the Antichrist and the demons and amen, armies of hell, they're going to make war, amen, on Jerusalem. They're going to set themselves for an all-out attack. And just when it looks like a Jerusalem is surrounded and is going down. That's when God, amen, is going to send Jesus with the armies of heaven. And the Bible says that the enemy and his armies are going to be defeated. You listen here, saints of God. Somebody said, good gracious, we got to endure that? No, I'm going to be out of here. The Bible said, for the Lord has not appointed us to raft. I'm not going to be here to watch that on CNN, ABC. I'm not going to be here to watch any of those events unfold. I'm already in the presence of the Lord. I'm already, amen, enjoying the judgment seat of Christ. Amen, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I would to God somebody would help me today. Hallelujah. I'm trying to sound the alarm. I'm trying to make people rapture ready to meet the Lord in the air. Many people seem apathetic. Many people live haphazard lives, careless and unconcerned. But I'll tell you the day of the Lord is coming. Amen, we played a game when I was a little boy called hide and seek. Already or not, here I come. And you better believe that in the spirit the Lord today is saying, ready or not, I am coming. Hallelujah. The Lord is coming. Friend, after the great tribulation, again, Satan and the armies of hell, countries of the earth, launch an all-out attack on Jerusalem. It'll culminate in the battle we know as Armageddon. When the Bible declared that in that valley, blood will flow as high as a horse's bridle. Somebody said to me in Bible study recently, Pastor, that's a whole 
That's a whole lot of bloodshed. And I know, Brother Anthony, if we today were to look back on the wars that have littered uh, time as we know it through human history, we would see that numbers and scores of people have died in various conflicts. But the world has never seen anything like the Battle of Armageddon. Isn't that right? They haven't seen anything. People tell me now when witnessing to them, preach, I got... I just got too much more fun I need to have. I got too much more of life that I can enjoy. And I can, I can get saved into tribulation. Let me tell you something. If you won't serve Jesus with a free heart now, there's no way you're going to serve him then. Because things will intensify at a rate like you have never seen. We won't have this privilege to assemble in the house of God. And worship the Lord together. We'll have to hide. To well, not we'll. They'll have to. They'll have to hide to practice. their. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. After that battle takes place, the Bible tells me that Christ returns. He, he destroys the Antichrist, his armies, and he casts them into the lake of fire. Brother Anthony, after that, the, the Bible tells me the earth will enjoy the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Somebody said, isn't that where the children will play over the nest of deadly serpents? And they won't be, yeah, hallelujah to God. That's exactly when the millennium will take place. Glory to the Lamb of God. But listen, friend, the Bible tells us after that that Satan is going to be loosed to deceive the nations for a while after that. But let me tell you something. The fate of the enemy is already sealed. Amen. He's dead already. Death meaning separation from God. The soul of man will never die. We need to understand that. The immaterial part of our being was created for eternity. And the soul of man will never die. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere. Either in heaven or in the lake of fire and brimstone. And you know what the Bible reveals to us about the lake of fire and brimstone? It burns and never stops. And individuals are tormented and it never ceases. You say, how long? The Bible says forever and ever. Are you listening to me, saints of God? But after Satan is released for just a little while to deceive the nations, the Bible tells me that he is defeated again and that he himself is cast into the lake of fire. Finally, finally, the world would experience the great white throne judgment. Remember, the saints have already been judged at the judgment seat of Christ. So then who is the great white throne judgment for? The unbeliever. The great white throne judgment would judge those who have consciously willfully come on somebody and completely rejected Jesus Christ what's going to happen then pastor well the Bible tells us that after the great white throne judgment where God judges all unbelievers that it's then Christ ushers in a new heaven 
and a new earth. Can I bless somebody? Not only a new heaven and a new earth, but a new Jerusalem. Wow, the one John said, I saw coming down out of heaven from God. I don't understand it completely, so I just make an effort, amen, to explain it. The best I know how. But I believe the writer tells us in the book of Revelation, there's coming a day we won't have to cry no more. Hallelujah to God. There's coming a day we won't be disappointed anymore. Come on, somebody. There's coming a day when sickness and disease will have no place. There's coming a day when we won't need, amen, Lumber River EMC. There's coming a day when we won't need Duke Progress Energy. Why, Pastor? Because the Bible said there'll be no need, amen, for the light, for the Lamb is the light of that city. Oh, I feel my help today. Glory to God. I need to sound the alarm. I need to blow this trumpet today. I need the people of God to understand the fate of the ungodly. I need them to understand that the unrighteous will be punished. This is scripture, friend. I don't care what Stephen Hawking said, one of the most intelligent minds in the world, who said that people are like computers and they just, they just fall apart when... The parts expire. He said when the parts wear out, they just are no more. But friend, we are not like computers. Can, can I bless somebody here today? The Bible says from the dust of the earth, God created man and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And man became a living soul. Can I preach while I'm here for a minute? God looked on what he saw and he saw the beauty of his creation. But Brother Joy, he said, a something is missing. And what is missing is the immaterial part of man that can only be given by God. Amen. The devil didn't give it and the devil can't have it. Amen. The devil didn't give it. He can't have it. It belongs to God. For that purpose, every individual born was born to serve the Lord. But sin marred that fellowship. So we have to be reconciled back to God. That came about as a result of the sacrifice of Jesus, whose death made reconciliation possible. Any saints listening to me today, don't you think for a second that the ungodly won't go unpunished. You really want to you, you really find a good place to shout? Then I encourage you in your leisure to pick up your Bible and read Revelations chapter 21 and chapter 22. If you're looking for a good place to rejoice in the God of your salvation, You'll find those things that are not and those things that are going to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. The Bible said God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more death because those have passed away. Won't it be wonderful there? How many songs have you heard about heaven that can't even scratch the surface of what the Lord has prepared? For us who love him. 
You say, preacher, are the ungodly going to be punished according to the word of the Lord? We're not just going to die and go away. So I need to let us know here at Harvest Church this morning whether we, whether we accept this reality or not. There are consequences for every action in our lives. For every action we commit, there are consequences. I said earlier, we live careless and haphazard lives. But the truth is the Lord could come before we leave this church this morning. The trumpet of God could sound. Brother Ted, we have various alarms on our job. And sometime uh, management will come over the intercom and say, disregard. It's a false alarm. But how many of you know that men and women of God are standing behind these desks and in various platforms telling the world to get ready. The Lord is coming. This is no false alarm. This is the real deal, my friend. And I need us to know today that not one more word of prophecy that has been uttered would have to be fulfilled before we could see the clouds parting and Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven. I saw one of my grandsons this week. I think his father was celebrating a touchdown. You know how emotional we get when our team is faring well. And I noticed him and he thought he was Air Jordan. He thought he was jumping two foot off the ground. And he wasn't hardly leaving the ground at all. But he, he, he was making the motion and he thought he was jumping. And it just brought to my mind the power we're going to have to have to get off this ground when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven. I believe that the gravitational forces of earth, they're going to lose their power and value because, amen, we belong to the Lord. And Paul said we're going to be caught up to meet him in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He might have been practicing. Can I get a witness? For the day when the Lord comes and we have to leave our temporary home. But don't fret. The ungodly will be punished. Yes. This is scripture. The ungodly will be punished. But do you know that the Lord even disciplines us, his children? You know that according to the Bible, God administers discipline to the ones he loves. Brother Gerald, how many times have you told me you've been beaten with many stripes for being disobedient unto God? Now I'm going to tell you there were some measures in my life where I was disciplined I don't want to recall. And I don't want to remember. But let me tell you what they did. Hallelujah to God. They taught me not to make the same mistake again. Hallelujah. They taught me not to make a mistake again. I want to talk a minute for, about the fear of the Lord, and I'm going to try to close. The fear of the Lord. The biblical definition of the word fear means to have a deep respect, a reverence, and an awe for both God's authority and God's power. That's what... Fear, biblically, means. In the world, fear means to be afraid of something. It means to be frightened. Last night in America, people dressed up in Halloween costumes and, amen, and visited different places. And 
You say, preacher, come on now, don't, 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 don't bash Halloween. Don't take that from our babies. You know, that's not my job. That's your job as a parent. Your job as a parent is to let them know the meaning of such holidays. But I want, I want us to know that people were lined up down Fayetteville Road last night for about as long as I could see to go through a haunted car wash. Yeah, I saw some folk posting video where their children were scared out of their wits because they journeyed through this thing. And it thrilled, it thrilled their parents. A lot of them just got a big chuckle out of seeing their children frightened. But I'm going to tell you who's going to laugh when the Lord comes and you ain't ready. It'll be the children whose little innocent hearts will be with God. But for those intelligent adult people who have completely, consciously, willfully rejected Jesus, it's going to be a frightening time. Pastor, you ought not say that. No, I think it ought to be said. I think we need to know the consequences of our actions and what those actions will produce without God. We need to know. See, for the unbeliever, fear involves the fear of the judgment of God. It involves eternal death. But for the believer... Our fear is based on reverence. What does reverence do? It acknowledges the power and authority of God. Proverbs 1 and 7 states, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Pastor Terry, what are you saying? Until we understand who God is, and until we have a deep reverential fear of Him, we cannot have true wisdom. Is that true? I said to someone just last weekend, that verse of the Bible holds true even in parenting. If we would insert the name of our Father in the place of God. Because we won't respect our parents until we learn to fear them. All too often now, children hear this, this phrase, I'm going to get you. It's true. All too often now, children get lied to all the time. But let me refresh your memory. If my mother said, I'm going to get you, you could take it to the bank. Because she kept good on her word. You may become preoccupied and think it's not going to happen. But in a moment you least expected, she reminded you of her promise. I'm trying to remind somebody today of what the word of God said. Yeah, God disciplines his children. He does it because he loves us. Did you understand when your parents were disciplining you as a child and saying statements like this, I'm doing this because I love you? No, you didn't understand it as a child because it was painful. And you just could not connect discipline 
with love. You couldn't do it to save your life. But how many of us grew up and have children on our own? And we've had to discipline them because we love them. You know what saddens me today? Is that my mother and father are not visibly present so I can tell them how many times they saved my life. Are you listening to me? That they are not here for me to say, I want to thank you. I want to appreciate the time that you corrected me and got me back on the right path. You didn't know it then, but it saved my life. God disciplines his children because he loves us. Not only does our fear connect with reverence for God and awe of God, our fear both includes but is not limited to understanding how much God hates sin. Anybody know God hates sin? God hates sin. It's amazing He loves the sinner, but He hates sin. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 5 through 11, they describe God's discipline of the believer. Saints, even as children, the fear of discipline from our parents prevented us from many evil actions. Do you know that the same is true today in our relationship with God? For fearing God involves obeying Him. Fearing God involves respecting Him. Fearing God involves submitting to His discipline. And worshiping him in all of his authority and power. I want us to understand something clearly. We demonstrate our reverence to God by the way we live. By the way we live. We demonstrate that, Brother Tommy. We're not going to say and do anything that contradicts what God's word has told us. Because then we understand it's violating, Brother Ernie, the law of God. I can't remember my father disciplined me maybe two times in my life. Now my mother didn't have to a lot, but when she did, you remembered it. Because it left a lasting impression. Now, oftentimes it left a visible imprint. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Of just how much she loved me. But what we do as reverent people of God is we say no to ungodliness. We say no to worldly passions. To pursue a life that is godly, a life that is self-controlled. To live a life that is upright in the presence of God and in the face of our current world. This is what separates us from sinners. Amen. I heard a preacher say, the greatest testimony is a changed life. That's the truth. For if there's been a change, people will take notice. Am I right? If there has been a... Listen, people notice when you get a haircut. People notice when you change the shade of your makeup. People notice when you get a new pair of glasses. So don't tell me people won't notice when you've been with God. People will notice when there has been 
a change. I'm trying to close. Those traits, those characteristics separate us from the world. So what should we pursue? We should pursue holiness. Amen. That's not just a position. That's a way of life. Holiness is a way of life. 1 Peter 15 and 16 states it like this, but as he who called you is holy, you also must be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. In the biblical reference of the word holy, it means to have a pure heart. It means to be filled with moral goodness. It means that we are separated for service. It means that we are free from sin. It means that we are consecrated for sacred use. So until our hearts are right with God, we are unable to understand the depth of the fear of the Lord. Am I right? Until our hearts are right. Let me tell you what people are going to do if there are no consequences for their actions. Can I tell you? They're going to keep on doing what they've been doing. Can I say this in your presence? If you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you always got. How many want more from the Lord? Then stop doing what you've been doing and do something different. Come on, y'all. Let's be real about it today. If, if, if that saying is true, then I need to take it to another level. Then I need to apply myself a little bit more. Sister Murtis, that means that I'm going to draw closer to God. And in drawing closer to God, amen, he's moving closer to me. What a blessing. What a blessing today, amen. Because let me tell you something God does. He sees, he knows, and he evaluates our choices. Whether we receive this in the love of God or not depends on us. But I'm going to serve notice on all the viewers and all the listeners today. God, hallelujah, he sees, he knows, he evaluates our choices. And we will answer to him for our actions. We will. Respect causes us to honor God. Respect causes us to have gratitude for His mercy. And it causes us to desire to serve Him. But understanding Him inspires us to stay away from evil. For we know the end result, don't we? Anybody remember earlier when pastor said what's going to happen to the ungodly? They're going to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone which burns forever. They're going to be tormented day and night forever and forever. In my closing, can I ask you a question? Do you hear the alarm? We gained an hour sleep last night because of daylight saving time. We fell back one hour. Anybody acknowledge that? Well, it goes without saying because you're here this morning at the appointed time that we joined together to worship God. But how many of you believe in your heart? Matter of fact, you probably know a bunch of people who missed it today because they failed 
to reset the clock and the alarm failed to sound. But I'm telling us in the spiritual sense today, the Lord is coming. And as a Christian, you need to sound the alarm. It's my prayer that God has enabled us to say something today that will carry you through life's darkest moments and that you will gain strength from the Word of God that is preached today in your presence. It's my duty and obligation to stand before you week after week and help prepare you to meet the Lord in the rapture. But remind, let me remind us of something. If we don't heed the warning, does anybody know what happens? Anybody know what happens when the school bus pulls up and the horn blows and you don't go out? You get left. Anybody know when the cruise ship's deporting, if you didn't meet the departure time, what happens? You get left behind. Anybody know when the flight's ready for takeoff and it's taxiing down the runway and you didn't meet the gate? Anybody know what happens? You get left behind. So can I tell you when the trumpet of God sounds and we haven't made preparation to meet the Lord, can I tell you what's going to happen? Whether you acknowledge yourself as a saint or not, you're going to be left behind. So today from the pulpit here at Harvest Church, I'm sounding the alarm. Make ready to meet the Lord. Stand with me all over this place as we look to Him in a closing prayer. Hallelujah. I, I want us to spend some time in introspection. I want us to search our hearts today in the presence of the Lord. And I want us, if there are wrongs in our life, I want us to make it right. Amen. Before that day comes so that we can be prepared to meet the Lord in the clouds of heaven. Lord, we thank you for this time that you have allowed us to spend together today. We thank you for your word. Lord God has provided so many things for us as your children. And Lord, we pray that we have been obedient today in communicating your word in such a way that even a child could understand. Now help us, Lord God, to live lives, Father, that are worthy of inheriting heaven as our eternal home. Help us, Lord, as we labor here day in and day out to present a lifestyle to the world that displays Jesus Christ. Help and lead others to salvation. Lord, we bless you for what's happened here today in our presence, and we give you praise. Protect us, Lord, until our next appointed gathering is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you is our prayer.